Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 23, verses 33 to 43. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him saying, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since we are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This, too, is the word of God for the people of God. So I want to open the sermon with a little interactive trivia. Uh, At youth group, every week we open with trivia. And the first person to answer correctly gets a snack cake. Um, And I know that y'all have been jealous of all the fun we have in youth groups, so I thought I would bring you in to our joy. Uh, So I'm going to name three people, and I want you to tell me what these three people have in common. Those three people are uh, Hubert Humphrey, Walter Mondale, and Michael Dukakis. Sure, but I want something better than that. Different one. I've got to look for a different answer. They were losing presidential candidates. That is exactly right. Now, typically in youth group, I would throw this snack cake at you, but for fear that I would hit someone unnecessarily, you can find me after worship and you may have this oatmeal cream pie. (laughs) I'm just going to hang on to it. But yes, so these are three failed presidential candidates, and I'd wager that some names are more well-known than others, depending on your your age, your interest level in the news, your history, uh, historical understanding. I, for example, only knew who Walter Mondale was because of Geraldine Ferrero. uh, Hubert Humphrey is a name that just sort of pings around my brain because I took advanced placement U.S. history in high school. Uh, And Michael Dukakis is, is fairly new to me, apart from the vague knowledge that he is cousin to Steel Magnolia star Olympia Dukakis, who is infinitely more important in my own personal cultural zeitgeist. And so these aren't particularly great reasons to be remembered. I'm sure that Hubert Humphrey wasn't hoping for a legacy that was sort of limited to being a multiple choice response on an exam. Uh, but, But it isn't wholly surprising, right? We tend not to remember the failures. Why would we? We like winners. It is often said that history is authored by the victors, So, of course, Michael Dukakis is barely a blip on the radar. And yet, today, as on so many days, we remember and celebrate Jesus, who was also, one might say, a failed political actor. 
Today is Reign of Christ or Christ the King Sunday, as Pastor Amanda has already said. Today, we are meant to recognize and celebrate the sovereignty of Christ, who is the Lord of all creation and coming again to reign in glory. Jesus is to be exalted. On days like this, we often sing things like crown him with many crowns. We often read biblical texts about the power of God, about the good kings of the Old Testament, the teachings of Jesus, and the vision of the coming reign of the kingdom of God. But not today. Today, the gospel text is Jesus's public execution. You don't often read a crucifixion text the week before Advent begins. We're on the cusp of all things baby Jesus, but first I'm going to make us wade through Jesus's mockery and torture and death. And before you get upset with me for making us talk about this four days before Thanksgiving and 35 days before Christmas, the revised common lectionary chose this, so blame them. Someone else thought it was important for us to remember the crucifixion today. So on this Reign of Christ Sunday, we're going to kill the king. Now, we, we know Jesus' life story as much as the canonical Gospels offer us. We know that after about three or so years of public ministry, three years of teaching and healing and miracle working, Jesus is betrayed by those closest to him, arrested and sentenced to death. So for many of the players in this narrative, this is the end of the story. This is the historical end of Jesus's ministry. For the Roman Empire, for Pilate, for the religious leaders that wanted Jesus dead, this is case closed. The purported king of the Jews, the rabble rouser, is dead, threat neutralized. The folks that were waiting for a promised leader to rise up and overthrow the Romans to free them from the occupation of the empire will still be waiting. Whatever insurrection they were hoping for won't be coming. Those who held in their hearts the words of Jeremiah that Mac read for us, those waiting for a king to reign with justice and righteousness in the land, will be sorely disappointed. Because Jesus is dead, or he will be, while the gathered crowds and soldiers stand hurling insults, calling him the king of the Jews, trying to get him to save himself, Jesus is dying. So how is this not a failure? Jesus cannot be king if he is dead. He cannot lead his people into a glorious kingdom from the cross. Jesus cannot show, cannot call people to a new way of living if he is dead. Jesus didn't come to earth looking for the cross. He came looking for the kingdom of God. So if Jesus' job, purpose, whatever on earth is to point people back to God, this moment in this narrative is a failure. As far as expected kings and hoped-for political movements and general earthly success go, Jesus didn't produce a great result. By most definitions, Jesus wasn't great at being king. And yet, this is not, as Pastor Amanda said, the end of the story. In a move beyond human imagination, Jesus will spend three days in the tomb to rise again, in a divine reversal, the failed, murdered king returns to life to offer peace and blessing to his followers before ascending to heaven, where, as we often confess in our affirmations of faith, he reigns with God the Creator until he comes again. So as we stand on this Christ the King Sunday on the cusp of Advent, we are reminded that new things are always waiting to spring forth. 
that there is hope for new life and divine reversal that springs eternal, even and especially when Christ the King is dying. Jesus' life and ultimately his death and resurrection turn the world on its head, revealing to us that the values of the empire of power of the world are not the same thing that God values. It showed us that God is not in the business of putting people on thrones or conquering lands or wearing crowns of gold or of domination, but rather God and God's kingdom are about exalting the lowly, caring for the poor, the hungry, the prisoner. It's about deep mercy and forgiveness and about bringing things that ought to be dead and gone to new life. Even in his dying breaths, Jesus is pointing to something new that is coming, uh, pointing to the promise of God. He offers forgiveness to his torturers and peace and hope to the criminal that is dying next to him. The kingdom of God is a failure in worldly systems of power precisely because it is opposed to them. Jesus was not a successful king precisely because he stood against the power of kings and emperors and rulers. We read the crucifixion on reign of Christ Sunday because we need to be reminded that God's way is not the world's way. To be reminded that the world does need to be turned on its head. To know that systems of power are not always right. We also need to be reminded that the king we want isn't the king that we need. And more than that, the king we need may not be the king that we're ready for. I think in some ways this text on this particular Sunday is a bit of an indictment. You know, the people of Israel, they asked God for a king to lead them time and time again. And time and time again, that king proved to be too human too unfaithful, too greedy, too corrupted by power, or the people refused to follow the king that they were given. So is it any wonder that God comes to earth in the form of Jesus to usher in this new kingdom, to show people a better way to live, and they rejected and killed him? Is that really that surprising? God sent the king that they asked for, and it changed nothing. The story of the crucifixion on Christ the King Sunday reveals to us something that maybe we aren't willing to admit, that perhaps sometimes we are more in line with earthly systems of power, with the empire, than we are with God. It suggests that we don't actually want a good and righteous and just king to lead us. We don't want someone who is radically loving, because that then requires us to be good and just and radically loving. Having a king means very little if we aren't ready or willing to follow. So I'm not equating our failed uh, presidential candidates, our trivia question to Jesus. In fact, you will hopefully never hear me equate any human to Jesus, not even Olympia Dukakis. And I'm also not retroactively endorsing a candidate that was running before I could vote. Um, that's not my job. But here are some things uh, that I think are worth noting. Uh, Hubert Humphrey was one of the lead authors of the Civil Rights Act. He believed in integration and equality. He also helped to launch the Peace Corps. He was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he championed good things, and we wouldn't have him lead the country. Michael Dukakis uh, was the target of some particularly harsh campaigning uh, that he refused to combat 
making his presidential run a non-starter in the end, perhaps teaching us that we prefer fighting dirty to fighting at all, to not fighting at all. And yet, Michael Dukakis, at 88, is still trying to do good in his community. He and his wife live in Massachusetts in the same house they bought together in 1970. For years, he has walked from his home in Brookline to Northeastern University with a garbage bag in hand so that he might pick up the litter he finds on his, along his way. He still does this today. Uh, he does it so often, in fact, that students will often join him with their own trash bags so they can pick up garbage on the route with him. I could throw another well-known local hero into this category of failed presidential run. Jimmy Carter was elected once, but lost his re-election bid in a landslide. I don't need to or want to highlight the ways that folks would name Jimmy Carter's presidency a failure. And yet, the thing that we remember Jimmy Carter for is his humanity, right? We remember all the ways that he has sought to do good in the world. Teaming up with Nelson Mandela, creating foundations to eradicate illness that don't get a lot of press, uh, not to mention his partnership with Habitat for Humanity. I could go on. I cannot claim to make an assessment on whether or not Jimmy Carter was a good president, but it is clear that we both wouldn't keep him as a leader, and it is clear who and what he has chosen to serve. The point I'm trying to get at, y'all, is that we choose the king that we serve. We choose the leader that we follow, the thing that guides us. I believe that reign of Christ ultimately is about us. It is about who we claim Jesus to be. And who we claim him to be says something about who we are. The leader we choose to follow, the thing we choose to worship, whatever has lordship in our lives has an effect on who we are. And if that doesn't look like the way of Jesus, then perhaps we are not genuinely claiming Christ as king. I say this as a person who does not often put the way of Christ first. I mean, I literally wrote portions of this sermon with Ticketmaster open and zoomed into a staff meeting so I could buy Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> Christ isn't always reigning in my life. But imagine if he was. When we follow a crucified king, really follow him, our lives should look different. Claiming this Jesus as our king means that we believe in hope. We believe in the divine reversal that Christ came to proclaim. We put others before ourselves. We lean into the things that led Jesus to the cross. Loving God and loving our neighbor with all our minds and hearts and spirits. We believe in truth, sacrifice, and inclusion that is so bold and so wide that it flies in the face of institutional power. Calling Jesus King or Lord, praying for the reign of the kingdom of God, requires something of us, and it will mean being less comfortable. Perhaps it will be uh, learning about the lives of those uh, from different races and then changing our behavior, or folks of different gender identities and then changing our language so that we can love them all better. It might mean giving up a Saturday of college football to go to, go to ICM to pass out food or taking the money you might have spent on brunch today to give to Thornwell, or choosing to go with us to Thornwell in February rather than a long President's Day weekend somewhere else, or perhaps calling for initiatives that will redistribute money so that students from Frederick Douglass to Midtown, from Dobbs to Springdale Park will have equity in education. 
Maybe you'll argue for affordable housing to be opened in this neighborhood, which would change the dynamic, but it could put a roof over someone's head. Friends, we can choose to follow the crucified king, or we can align ourselves with the empire, with the powers that be, the ones that keep us comfortable and content, the ones that decided that Jesus had to die. But if the Christ of the cross is the king that we claim, there is nothing we shouldn't be willing to do for someone else. Because I believe that Jesus' reign has only failed if we cease to be the presence of Jesus in the world. If we do not take up the cause of the crucified king and seek to do kingdom work with our lives. Because I also believe that God has not given up on, as, on us and does not give up on our capacity to help shepherd a better world that is in alignment with the kingdom of God. The ultimate vision of God is to see our humanity step up and take leadership with the clear mandate to be responsible for the conditions that include life without fear and hatred and injustice because we choose to lead our lives in the way of the crucified king. Friends, we know who Jesus is. We know what Jesus stood for, what he asks of us. So how will you follow? Amen.